on Friday. So the, the trip is coming very, very close. If you are on that trip, would you please stand to your feet? All right. We're going to pray for them because God is going to be doing some great things through them. So if you are not standing, lay your hands on them appropriately or extend your hands toward them in faith as we pray because God is going to do a great work in and through them. And God, we thank you for this team. God, we thank you that you're going to use them, that your light is going to shine through them in our own town. God, we thank you that people are going to be drawn towards you, that they're going to encounter your love. God, I thank you for each and every person going on the trip, that they have an God, that you would draw near to us. God, that you would reveal yourself, that it would be a life-changing experience for them, that it would launch them forward in their relationship with you, that they would come back with a whole new perspective, with a closer relationship with you, seeing lives changed as they begin to serve you here in our own town. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. All right, this message is, is going to be helpful for everybody in here. People going on the trip, you're going to need this this next week, so pay attention. How many of you guys have ever had a conflict? How many of you have ever wanted to hit somebody? All right, shove a cork in their face. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't answered yes to any of those questions, don't worry, your time will come. And someone's probably wanted to shove a cork in your face. No, like, uh, but, but conflict, sadly is part of life. It's one of those things that happens, conflict when you have differences or sometimes it's when you have similarities that just clash. Um, sometimes I wonder if I would get along with me, but like you, you wonder going, all right, do I like people like me or do I like people different than me? How much like me will drive me crazy? Because I discovered the thing that bothers me most is when someone has the same problems that I have on a greater level. It's, it's like, you're like, you're the most irritating person in the world. And you're like, wait a second, I think I do that some. I better fix me. And so um, taking the time then to fix myself because I realized in their annoyance that I have some of the same issues. But as conflict, as um, opportunities to become offended happen to all of us, I wanted to take some time and look at what does the Bible say about conflict? What does the Bible say about offense? And it actually says a lot. I spent... A bunch of time putting my notes together. I'm like, oh, this is going to go really quick. And then my notes just kept going. I'm like, we're not going to finish this in a week. The Bible has so much to say about our conflict. And one of the, the first things that it says is avoid unnecessary conflict. So if you're taking notes, write this down. It's point number one. Avoid unnecessary conflict. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. And I'd like to add, along with every fool, is Hollywood. Um, and they paint the picture, and this may be more true for the guys and for the girls. I've never been a girl. I've never looked at the world through the eyes of a girl, so I don't know. But I know what, it's look, what the world looks like through the eyes of male. And as, as, we, as I grew up, Hollywood, things tend to portray manhood as someone who's always right, who no one wants to mess with, who uh, <clears throat> you could say can, can handle their own, but most of the time it's not about handling their own, it's uh, 
someone who's touchy and strong enough to back it up is what they paint as the picture of a man. Not, it's normally not what you'd write out when you were like, what's that? But that's the picture that kind of comes. And that influenced me when I was in high school. I didn't realize how much, but I stunk at point number one in high school. I was really quick to argue and to fight. I was sure when I was right. And if I was right, I would battle to the end. I would argue to the end with anyone and I could normally win. But I learned that winning isn't the most important thing in the world. When I was in high school, I went bowling with a bunch of my friends and there was some things that I didn't really like to be called. And one of the guys entered everything in the computer and he entered some things that I didn't appreciate into the computer. And it wouldn't come up completely unless you got a, um, a strike or a spare. And then it would come up. And so, like, as we're going, I get a strike or a spare and it comes up and I'm like, okay, that's not cool, not funny, take it down. And he didn't. And so I go on and I get another strike or a spare a little bit later on. I get it down, get take it down. And this went on for a little while. And then finally, I don't remember how many frames this went on. I'm not that good of a bowler, so it couldn't have been that many because I don't get strikes and spares every time. But it got to the point that I'm like, all right, if you don't take it down as a very immature kid, I'm like, I'm just going to nail you. I'm going to punch you. And so it ended up um, turning into like a standoff and almost a fist fight in the bowling alley with one of my best friends where he didn't want to back down out of pride. He knew he would get, he would lose. And we almost got into this, this massive fight in the middle of a bowling alley over something stupid he stuck in the computer. And in hindsight, you look at it and you're like, what a stupid, immature little kid on both sides. Because the friendship is worth far more. But out of pride, you have two immature boys in the alley ready to go to an all-out fist fight to not back down. And really more, more of it had to do with neither of us wanting to back down than it had to do with the actual words themselves. And I realized that pride is the cause behind a lot of conflict. That a lot of times we start things and we try to stick to them and it's a, it's a pride thing. And as I looked at the Bible, it says that a wise man avoids strife or choose two men's honor to avoid strife, but a fool is quick to quarrel. And I looked at myself in high school and said, I was a fool because I was too quick to quarrel. It says in Proverbs 26, 17, like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel, not his own. It says, if you can avoid it, avoid it. I know some people that look for opportunities to get involved in somebody else's argument and somebody else's conflict. And it says, look, if you don't have to be involved, don't jump into a conflict. It says, it's like grabbing a dog by the ears. If you play that game very long, you're going to get bit. And it warns us and says, all right, 
In James 1.19, it says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, and I, I looked at this going, all right, so we want, we want to avoid conflict when we can. Do not engage in unnecessary conflict. Now, the other side of the coin, because there's a bunch of people who are going, there's some introverts, I don't know, I can't ask if there's introverts in the room because if they're introverted very much, they're not going to raise their hand. But we love you anyways. I know that there's some of you in here. And they can use this as an excuse to go, ha ha, I don't have to, I can just avoid the conflict. But there's still point number two, deal with it now. Um, love overlooks an offense. And there's offenses that you can go, you know what? I can overlook the fact that they stuck something really stupid that I don't appreciate inside the computer at the bowling alley. But um, there are, when there is a conflict, when there is hurt and offense, you cannot you can't. If you go carrying it around and you go, well, I'm just not going to talk to them. Talking to them is awkward. I don't like conflict, but I'm still annoyed and I'm still bothered. It will poison you. In Matthew chapter five, this is what Jesus says. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother, then come on offer, offer your gift. And I read that and that struck me as strange because in today's society, it's very easy to get like this glorified serving Jesus is about going to church and about worshiping at church and tithing. And, you know, these are, and reading your Bible, these are like, and praying, these are, these are the big things. And to be like, he goes, look, if you're going to church and you're about to give your offering and you realize that you've got something against somebody or your brother's got something against you, he goes, pause, because if you're doing this, you're just going through the motions. I want you, as a Christian, you're supposed to be marked by love, so I want you to go and make things right now. Then come back and follow through with these things, because if you go through all of the religious things while you're doing this, he goes, it's empty. God wants you first to go and reconcile this relationship. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And he sits here and goes, whenever you pray, how long does that let you be offended? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So God does not give us much room to walk around offended, to walk around going, I'm just mad at them because they said, because they did, because they didn't. And he goes, when, if you've got a problem, it's time now to go and to make it right, to forgive to apologize. And I know that this can be hard if you're, especially if you're introverted. If you're extroverted, you're more comfortable in conflict. Conflict isn't very comfortable for most people. If you're really comfortable with it, that's scary. Um, but if you're more introverted, conflict can be really scary, especially if it's conflict. Whoa. <clears throat> that was scary conflict. Okay. If the conflict is with an extrovert. 
especially if you have a proud extrovert or an extrovert that had some of the issues that I had in high school who wants to argue about anything and everything and will battle the fact that they're right even like well beyond reason. And it's like, I'm just scared. They're just not going to listen. And the Bible doesn't say, if you think they might not listen, you can hold on to your grudge because they probably wouldn't listen. It goes, when you stand praying, forgive. It says, before you even offer your gift, it says, go and make things right. And they might look at you and go, well, I don't think so. I'm not sorry. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. It says, if you hold on to anger, if you hold on to offense, and it doesn't matter why it came in, It doesn't matter if it was because they picked their nose and wiped it on your seat and you're like, this is gross. It doesn't matter if it was because they abused you, lied about you, gossiped about you, stabbed you in the back. And we could go through and list 3 billion different ways that somebody could hurt you or bother you, offend you. He goes, when you hold on to offense, it gives place to the devil. And then it goes on in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. To see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root, singular, of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And I, I was I spent a bit of time on this today because I, I read that verse and I was like, wait a second. A root. If I remember my English correctly, root is singular. Roots is plural. Many is plural. But it goes through and warns you that no root of bitterness defiles many. That one root, if one person allows bitterness to grow inside of them, it's not one person that ends up being affected. It says that bitterness, when it takes hold, when it grows root in one, ends up defiling many. And I, and I was, like, it's kind of sad. And I've, the part of the problem is that it can be so much easier not to deal with an issue. And it can be easier, but when you do, this root gets in and it causes problems and it destroys relationships. I, I, gotta, I don't remember what my brother did. But I remember I got bothered at my brother. And this is as we became adults. There was lots of conflict as a little kid. Um, until he was 16, we were in constant conflict. After he got his driver's license, something changed, and we stopped fighting all the time. It might have had to do with the fact he was gone most of the time. But we, 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 we started to become friends, and I became really close to my brother. He was the best man in my wedding. And then as years went on, there were some things that went down. And I found myself, rather than going up to my brother and going, hey, I have a problem, and this is what's going on, and this is my problem that I have with you, and um, I'd like to sort it out. I just started distancing myself. And my brother called me out on it. And finally, he's like, why? Are you going to let this relationship go over stupid, over, not even over stupid stuff, over coming to someone to present the stupid stuff. 
Because if you, if you come to them and present it, the stupid stuff can actually be sorted out. And I realized that I was in the wrong and I had to apologize. But here's point number three kind of links in with these. And this is where the rubber hits the road and gets really nasty for a lot of people. Keep the circle small. Um, and a lot of you guys are going, what circle am I keeping small? That doesn't even make sense. The circle of offense. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. That's not normal. That's not natural for most of us. In fact, What's natural for most people is the exact opposite. They get bothered because someone did something. So rather than getting bothered and going, all right, I'm bothered at Matt because Matt said something stupid. Um, so instead of, instead of going, all right, hey, you said something and it hurt me and I'm, I'm angry with you, they go over here and go, can't believe Matt said that to me. That was so mean. And they look at me and go, yeah, that's right. Can't believe you'd say that. That's really harsh. And they go, I feel better because they agree with me that Matt was a jerk. <laughs> and you laugh, but this is, happens a lot. And then they go over and then sometimes we have a larger conversation and we'll talk about, do you think what he said was okay? No, 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 that was awful. Oh. And then every so often, some, sometimes it go, we'll, we'll walk through a few scenarios. So then, eventually, sometimes I'll, they'll, they'll talk to people, and Matt will get wind of this and go, hey, what's going on? Or we'll find out, and Matt will go, oh, sorry. You walked up on the tail end of a conversation, and I didn't me mean that about you. I was saying this about um, this in general. Or I was saying this, or you know what? Hey, I did. I shoved my foot in my mouth, and I am sorry. That was a mean, hurtful thing to say. I shouldn't have said that. shouldn't have done that. And... We'll go, all right, great, I'm sorry that I was angry for so long. Um, I forgive you, and we're, we're friends now. What do these guys think of Matt? He's a jerk. And we're, we got things fixed, but what happened to this circle of offense that I spread? I now had a root of bitterness that rose up and defiled many. And even when I got it pulled out of my life, the seeds that I had then sowed continued things. And for guys, they look at this sometimes and they're like, for real? But girls know this much, much better. Because I've talked to girls and they're like, one person has a fight with somebody and you'll hear like the other girls, are we still mad at them? <laughs> are we still mad at What? Why were you mad with them? Well, because they were mean to her. So I'm mad because she was mad and we are together. And so, and like all of a sudden, like there's this like web of we're offended because of what they did. And which means that somebody spread the circle of offense rather than taking Jesus' advice. Because Jesus says to go to them alone. And then if they don't listen, if you talk to them and you're like, hey, you know what? You said something and it was awful. Or, hey, you have a problem. You can't just walk up and punch people. It's not okay. Or whatever it is that, they, that they're saying. And if they look at them and go, well, I don't think it's a big deal. Then he says, all right, then you go to one or two other people. And he goes, you talk with them and go, all right, hey, 
Um, we've had a conflict. He keeps walking up and punching people, including me. I'm not okay with it. Am I going crazy? And they look at you and go, nope, that's normally considered bad etiquette to walk up and just leave people with bruises. All right, hey, will you go and address this with me? And then they, the, it says that the three of us, not spreading a massive circle, we then go back and go, all right, hey, I have a problem. Please do not walk up and punch me. Probably shouldn't walk up and punch anybody. It's not nice. I see you and I want to run. I dread your presence. It is not... Pl- and hopefully... At the point of this, it says that they should get it. It says, if they don't. He goes, you don't just walk around and talk to everybody. Can't believe he's such a jerk and they did this and they did this. It says, at that point, you want to meet with them in the church or in the church leaders and let them go, all right, what does God say? What does the Bible say? And it says, at that point, if they don't want to listen, you look and you go, all right. If you don't care what the Bible has to say, you don't care what God has to say, and you have no desire to do what's right, you're an unbeliever. And I'm gonna, I can distance myself. I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to hold it against you. But um, you're, on, you're on your own. At that point, it says that you can distance yourself from them. But so often, these circles spread. And I, I've watched it at work. I've watched it at camp. I've watched it on mission trips where somebody is annoyed and bothered whether someone did something really stupid or there's a difference in personality and conflict. And instead of going to the person and going, hey, I have a problem. Hey, you know what? This bothered me. When you did this, said this, did this, like this, whatever, and going, hey, this is, this is a problem. They go and, and they go off and they tell somebody else, man, I can't believe what they're doing. Man, they're so annoying. I can't believe they. And then, or you'll hear, you may have heard this one. Well, we all think that you shouldn't. If there's, if when it comes up, there's a we all think. That's a sign that you've already been gossiping and have already spread the circle of offense. Because at first, there should be no we. Because as soon as you included a we, you spread it. And I watched, there was, there was a fellow I worked with at one point who was a great, great listener. But he wasn't good at turning people back to deal with their issues. And so he became a source of division in the workplace. Because people would go to him and they're like, you know what? You know, he's like, how are you doing? Oh, things, things are Things are all right. Oh, well, what's going on? Uh, I had a little bit of conflict. Okay, what was the conflict? All right, well, this person said this. Well, how'd that make you feel? Oh, it kind of made me feel angry. Oh, do you think it was okay that they did that? No, I don't think it was okay that they did that. And they get this person all worked up. And then this other person comes up to him. Oh, this is, this is my problem. This is my problem. Oh, is that, and that's how you feel? And that's how you feel? Well, that's how Joe feels. And that's how, oh, we all agree. And so they had a mar- large thing where they created division Rather than going, oh, you had a conflict, or hey, used to, someone bothered you. Hey, have you talked to them about it yet? And most of the time they'd say, well, no. And if someone said, well, yeah, then the right thing to, go, to do would be to go, then to go back to the biblical model going, well, if you've talked to them on your own, do you need someone to go with you there? But first of all, you're supposed to go to them and go, hey, when you said this in the meeting, I felt like you were taking a personal attack at me. 
and allow that person to go, I'm sorry, I was not on a personal attack with you. I realized that we had five minutes to finish the meeting and had lots of ideas to go, and so I was short because I was trying to get things done. My apologies for being short. My apologies for cutting you off. My apologies for doing something that came off. And, and I watched where somebody who thought they were being helpful tore apart a team. And I have watched cabins, mission trips. And, and it, it's really common anywhere where groups of people are gathered either for extended periods of time or frequently. So you'll find it at work, school, camps, trips, mission trips, any spot where there's going to be a gathering of people, it's very easy. At some point, there's going to be a conflict of some sort, and it's very easy to go, it's easier to walk up and just to tell somebody else how you feel and to get them to validate you than it is to go back to the person. But when you go and try to get validation on your opinion from other people, first off, it's skewed because they're hearing it from your angry perspective. They don't hear the logic because most people aren't a butt on purpose. Who's ever hurt somebody, offended somebody? Were you trying to be a butt? No. Uh, so a couple people are like, wow, there was this one time. All right. But most of the time, you're not trying to be a jerk, but you said something without thinking, you did something, and... When, when, they, when you share the story of how you got hurt, you're not sharing it with the, uh, the knowledge of why or how, what they were thinking. You're making an assumption. Assumptions are often horribly skewed. Um, take a minor break, detour. All right. We're going to learn a lesson about assumptions. I'm going to... I want you to picture a surfer. Okay. Picturing your surfer? Is your surfer a boy or a girl? Okay. Is your surfer old or young? Is your surfer wearing a shirt or no shirt? Shorts or pants? Blonde or brunette? Okay, so all of a sudden I say this one word and you guys all have this picture of a young male in probably board shorts, as we said shorts, and we, we can go through this description, but there's old lady surfers. My sister surfs, she's not old yet, but I've watched a lot of, well, I, I live in Australia where around here you don't have much for surfers, period. But when I was living there near the coast, you have people who've been surfing for many, many years. I met old guys that surfed. I met a lot of girls that, I went surfing with some girls. And just because that's how you picture it doesn't mean you're right. I could start telling you a story about a surfer and you guys have been picturing a young guy, and it could have been a story about my sister. 
when we think we know what's going on in someone else's head, we are making an assumption. And it can be so clear in our head. Because when I said surfer, the picture that you got was so clear. But it can be so off. Have you ever met a radio DJ? A radio, radio DJ. And been kind of like freaked out because they didn't look right? You hear their voice and you have a picture. And then you meet them and you're like, wow, you're 20 years older than I thought. Or wow, you're 50 pounds heavier than I thought. Or, or wow, you're... Like I had that one. And like... <laughs> It was supposed to be like a young, not like super skinny, but like relatively skinny brunette. And it was like an older fat blonde. And you're like, what? Just It wasn't that it's wrong to be those. It just, I had a picture and it was not it. Um, but this comes up so often that we're spreading this and we are assuming that we know there's that. And we spread this offense. And I have like seven more points, and I'm not going to get to any of them, on how to avoid it, how to fix it, how to do conflict well so that you can resolve it rather than amplify it. And we'll have to get to some of those in a week or two. But the first thing is going, I will avoid unnecessary conflict. When there's been conflict that I can't just let go, because there's some things you're like, all right, I don't, I know it was an accident, let it go. They moved their chair and they found my toe with the back of their chair. They were not meaning to be evil. They were not meaning to be vile. They just managed to put their chair right on my toe and it hurt. I can love them. I can let it go. I know it was an accident. But if I can't, if I think, I think they were aiming at my toe, evil, vile person, then I need to be, be quick to not walk around with a fence and go, hey, that's my toe. And to give them a chance to go, I'm sorry. Or, and, and to bring it up and go, all right, here's a chance to mend things. So I'm not walking around with a fence, regardless of what it was that started it. Um, and being quick to offer the forgiveness that God offers to us, to mend relationships and not let a root of bitterness grow in our lives that can destroy many. Because the Bible shares that when we hold on to bitterness, we rob ourselves of forgiveness. When we plug the line, we say forgiveness won't happen here, we rob ourselves. And God's forgiveness is so great. If you're here and you don't know God's forgiveness, I want to give you a chance to know the forgiveness that God offers. Because God wants a relationship with you. God's love is so, so great. And if you say, you know what, hey, I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to live for him. I want to know that I'm right with him and on my way to heaven. I'm going to count to three and ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your chance to make Jesus your Lord. One, two, Three, raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. Who else is that's me? Awesome. You can put your hands down. The Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So we're going to call on his name. And the Bible promises that we will be saved. So let's pray. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe 
that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away, for forgiving me. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give them a real big hand. Go be blessed. Have loads of fun. Looking forward to seeing you at the car show.